As Kevin mentioned, we're doing a, a five-week series on the subject of prayer because I believe prayer is probably the greatest weakness of the evangelical church in America. Prayer is hard work. I'm not talking the now I lay me down to sleep or even good bread, good meat, but, but, but that, that life of prayer, that, that learning what it is to speak to God from the heart with truth and experience the intimacy that He intends for us in prayer is hard work. And historically, it is something that we followers of Christ have struggled with. Now, we sent the monks and the others off into monasteries and told them to pray, but those of us who were busy oftentimes felt we didn't have time. And yet, I believe that prayer is where we work out our walk with God. Like communication in a marriage, it is that time where we experience true intimacy with Him in our words and in our thoughts and in our hearts. It is vital to a vibrant Christian life, and yet is one we often neglect. We started out with the subject of praise because we have to be reminded to whom it is we're speaking. And I believe that God calls us to praise because He is essentially saying, enjoy me. Uh, Take joy in who I am. Take joy in my character that I am loving and kind and justice and right in in my power and my knowledge and my presence. Take joy. Enjoy who I am. He calls upon us to praise Him because in doing that, we celebrate His character, and it reminds us that He is God, and by the way, we're not. Then we looked at confession, and confession seems kind of like a Debbie Downer subject, but but the reality is that uh, we know from experience, from psychology, from all kinds of things that most of us carry burdens with us of ways that we've disappointed ourselves and disappointed others. Most of us have shame for past actions that colors all that we do. Most of us, when we're honest, have a deep felt insecurity in our own failings, in our own inability to live up to the very standards we hold other people to. And confession is a means by which we lay those burdens down. We take off that burden of guilt and and lay it at the cross, and we experience forgiveness because we never live up to the standards to which we hold others. None of us ever lives up to the standards to which we hold others. We're good at calling out sin in other people's lives, but we well, we meant to do better, so it's not the same, right? So, if, if praise is where we enjoy God, confession is where we are freed from the burden of our own frailty and brokenness. The fact that we don't live up to the standard of God is, is still okay because in Jesus' death on the cross, we can experience complete freedom by virtue of forgiveness. And, and confession is healing It is healthy. It's intended by God to be a part of communion service when we have the Lord's Supper. 1 Corinthians 11, the Apostle Paul makes a point that we should clear our consciences before confession as we take in the Lord's meal. it's, It's a means of experiencing afresh His grace and knowing what it is to be loved. 
Because all of us have an insecurity, don't we? Because all of us know our stuff, whether we show it or not. Today, we're going to take the next step. We're going to talk about gratitude. And, and being thankful, praying in thanksgiving is fundamentally one of the most important ways that we can reset our heart's focus. Gratitude is not the response just to who God is, which is praise, but more of the response more personally of what God has done for me. Uh, Halesby, in his famous book on prayer, says, Thanksgiving always circles back to me. Praise stays focused on who God is, but Thanksgiving is where I experience what God has done for me, and therefore it is incredibly personal. Am I the only one that's distressed by our culture today? Do you, do you get the sense that something is fundamentally wrong in our culture today? And, and we can all make a list of all the things, the injustices, the poverty, the I mean, just go on and on. It just goes on and on and on. But But Understand how I mean this. The human condition has always had those things. What has made today particularly difficult? Why is it we have so little peace? Can I suggest it to you because we're so ungrateful? One of the ironies of life is it seems as if the more we get, the more we demand. The more we experience of God's blessing, the less satisfied we are with all He does. You remember if you're married when you first married and how happy it was? And you had nothing? Julie and I lived in a, part, a, a duplex on Velasco, Lakewood, pretty nice, except it didn't have air conditioning. We had an attic fan. The guy downstairs got stoned every night. We joined him when we turned on the attic fan. It was... It was like going to school again. I mean, it was, it, we hunted roaches with 12 gauges. It was, it was hot and uncomfortable and dirty, and it was glorious because we were dumb in love. We didn't have anything, but we, we knew how grateful we were. And, and I remember those times in our marriage when, when we had uh, children that were keeping us up all night and, and, and no money. I remember when every year when we bought school supplies, I panicked. Can we pay for this? But we were happy because we were grateful that we not only had each other, we had our kids. And the temptation is that as we grow accustomed to being blessed, we, we lose the gratitude, the thanksgiving, and just start getting really good at making lists of all God hadn't done. Because, you know, our children disappoint us. They act like us, for heaven's sakes. Uh, the, the circumstances aren't quite what we'd hoped for at this point. I believe scripturally in God's plan, thanksgiving is the great reorientation of the human heart. And when we are not thankful, especially those of us who claim to know Jesus and the experience of forgiveness and the abundant life that He us offers, when, when we 
don't live in gratitude, we live with deficits in our accounts. So, let's take a look at what it means to be thankful. First, let me ask, when should you be grateful? I've given you in your notes a number of verses. They're short. You can do this. I believe in you. 1 Thessalonians 5, 18. Give thanks in all circumstances, in everything, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Give thanks all the time. Now, this was written by the Apostle Paul, who spent, he would have been a terrible investment as a missionary. He was totally just a waste of money as a missionary because he spent all his time in jail and in, in shipwrecks and people mad at him and throwing rocks at him. People didn't like him. I mean, why would you invest in the Apostle Paul? And yet he says, give thanks in all circumstances for that's God's will for you. Ephesians 5.20, always give thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Colossians 4.2, devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. When should we thank God? All the time. But Andy, I mean, let's talk about the problem. I got a lot of things not to be grateful for. I mean, do you know how my, my life is hard, Andy? Do you not appreciate how difficult things are? Yes, I do. I, I struggle as a pastor hearing story after story that breaks my heart. People in this church carry burdens that are overwhelming. We, we live in a very broken and heart-wrenching world. But you know what's amazing? Some are broken by their brokenness and some win over it. And, and there's nothing so powerful as sitting down with someone who's facing death, who's had unbelievable heartache, who carry magnificent burdens, and yet they say, I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful for what I have. I'm grateful for the way I've been blessed. See, life gives circumstances. Jesus says in, in Matthew chapter 5 that God uh, causes the sun to rise on the evil and the good, the rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. The reality is that sinful people experience blessing and good people experience heartache. That is life. When, when sin entered the world, brokenness came with it. And, and that is normative. But the reality is that when we fail to celebrate God's blessing, we allow the heartache to control us. When we only see what God hasn't done, we lose the ability to see what God has done. We, we are like the child on Christmas Day who after spending hours opening new gifts looks around and says, but I wanted something else too. And the reality is that, that the human heart so easily falls prey to ungratitude. Of course, fundamentally, one of the reasons our society is struggling with it is we've 
got no one to be thankful to. So much of the Western world no longer acknowledges that there is anyone who has blessed us. We are a cosmic accident, and, and all of life is simply a cosmic accident. So if there's good things, that's accidental, or because we've worked really hard of it, at it, because of course we should pat ourselves on the back for all we've accomplished, but the reality is to whom would we be grateful? We live in a society that has eradicated the good, giver of gifts Partially so, we don't have to be burdened with acknowledging what he's done. It's just so much nicer to take credit for the good. The problem is then we blame everyone else for the evil. Romans 12, 1 and 2, I beseech you therefore, brothers, in light of God's mercies, Most scholars understand that verse to be referring to the first 11 chapters of the book of Romans in which the Apostle Paul writes the world's greatest thesis and treatise on on the gospel of Christ, salvation through grace, forgiveness of sins. And he says, in light of all that I've said in chapters 1 through 11, give yourselves as a living sacrifice. In, in light of what we have as followers of Christ, respond in gratitude. Uh, God's intention is that we live constantly with an awareness of how blessed we are. And there is nothing more humbling for me than to go visit someone uh, for whom I think their circumstances are incredibly difficult, and then be shamed by their ability to see God's hand in their lives and to see how much they overcome the difficult circumstances by their ability to be grateful. See, the interesting thing is God commands us to be thankful all the time because it's good for us. There's an article in Forbes magazine. Where would I put it? There it is. November 23rd, 2014, seven scientifically proven benefits of gratitude that will motivate you to give thanks year-round. Let me read to you the list. Gratitude opens the door to more relationships. We like to be around people who are grateful. Nothing is more painful than being around complainers. How are you today? Oh, it's terrible. What? I didn't sleep well. My wife snores. Gratitude improves physical health, clinically proven. Gratitude improves psychological health. Gratitude enhances empathy and reduces aggression. Do we have a little aggression in our society today? Grateful people sleep better. I know some of you are grateful. (laughs) She got it. (laughs) Gratitude improves self-esteem. Gratitude increases mental strength and overcoming trauma. The reality is we're called upon to learn to be grateful even in the midst of real heartache for the things that we can be grateful for. Does this mean that we cannot grieve? Absolutely not. 
that's why I love the book of Psalms, because the, the unbelievable honesty that David and other Psalters, writers of the Psalter have in, in expressing their disappointments with God, their heartache with God, their frustration with God, the, their frustration with all that's around them, and yet they always come back to gratitude and submission to God. One of the themes that you will see as we go through all five of these Sundays, as well as this Saturday when Tim Musselwhite does the the special session on ways to expand your prayer life, is that all of prayer refocuses us to submission to God's will. All of prayer helps us realign ourselves in an appropriate relationship to God. Not because He's beating us with a stick, but because in, in experiencing intimacy with Him, we re-experience why we love Him and why submission to Him makes sense. You know that the Lord's Supper in the Roman Catholic tradition is called the Eucharist because in it Jesus gave thanks before He broke the bread and drank of the cup which symbolized His death. In fact, it doesn't just say we should feel grateful. Ephesians 5, I already read a little. Let me read more. Ephesians 5, verse 4, no one, nor should there be any obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse jesting, just joking, excuse me, which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. Verse 15, be careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Boy, isn't that true? Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Don't get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms and hymns and songs from the Spirit. That's why worship is so powerful. It is a means by which we together thank and praise God. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. You know what he says in that paragraph? Don't just feel it. Say it. Say it. Constantly express your gratitude to God because the heart follows the mouth. You ever notice that? You get around complainers and you join in in the complaining and what happens to your heart? You become soured and ungrateful and frustrated and broken. And then you get around the glorious people. They're not Pollyanna. Pollyanna. They, they, they know life is hard. They've just chosen to respond in gratitude to God. And you get around them and you think, suddenly, I feel better. Why is that? Because your heart is refocused in the way God intended it to be focused. Isn't it interesting that in a society that has written off God, said that he's not relevant to the conversation, we still have to admit in our psychology that we have this longing this heart longing to admit to him how blessed we are. Isn't it amazing that evolution accidentally put that in us? Thank him always. Psalm 50:14 says, sacrifice of thank offerings to God. It's referring to the fellowship offering of Leviticus chapter 7. It was a regular part of the worship of the ancient Hebrew. It is a regular part of your and my worship and life. For what should we be thankful? I mean, Andy, really? 
Do you realize how bad things are? What should I be thankful for? Well, if you've been around me long, you know one of my favorite passages in the Old Testament is 1 Chronicles 29. In 1 Chronicles 29, uh, King David has, has gone through the heartbreak of God telling him, I'm not going to let you build the temple because you've been a man of war. And the, the temple is a house of prayer. It is a place where I will be worshipped. And so your son Solomon, whose name means shalom, peace, will be the one who builds it. But I will let you do the fundraising. It's the great fundraiser's passage. I love it. There's nothing more enjoyable than ripping money from the tight-fisted grip of Christians for the Lord's work. Just lock the doors. I feel good right now. No, the... And, and, and in chapter 29, David calls a convocation. All the people have brought this massive amount of wealth to build the temple. The temple was literally a marvel in the world, built up on the mount, a temple mound. It could be seen for miles. It was magnificent. And David leads his people in offering a prayer. I don't have time to read it all, but let me read a part. Verse 13, now our God, we give you thanks and praise your glorious name. But who am I and who are my people that we would give as generously as this? Lest we get all uppity about all that we've done, lest we start breaking our arm from patting ourselves on the back too much, he says, who are we? Everything comes from you. We've given you only what comes from your hand. we thank God for everything we have. Our breath. Your breath is a gift from God. The more you study the human body, the anatomy, it is a miracle that any of us lives to see tomorrow. How many things have to keep working? All the juices that have to keep flowing, all the things that have to keep pumping, all the, all the systems that are in there. It's staggering what has to keep working in order for you and me to live another day, and yet we do. Most of us haven't missed many meals. Most of us uh, have better health than we deserve. And it's interesting that in one of the most affluent societies in the history of mankind, when we have more stuff than we know what to do with, so that one of our great challenges what is how to throw away all our stuff, we've lost the ability to be grateful. We have become that spoiled child. Everything that we have is from God's hand. It always reminds me of, you remember when your kids were little and many of your kids are still little? Some of you don't have kids yet. Enjoy your sleep. The reality is that when come Christmas time, you know, it's that fun thing when your kids want to give you a gift. So they hit you up for money. And, and, and you... you at least I, went through my mind, can we just cut out the middleman? just say happy, you know, and, and but, but then they go and they buy something. Uh, many of you knew my mother. She lived to be 96, lived with us for 15 years. She still had this nasty thing of perfume that I bought at a drugstore for her when she was a child, when she died. Stuff was horrible. The bottle was even ugly. And she gave me the money to buy it. Why would she keep it? Because she loved her son. 
And, and to have her son express any love for her was something that she would hold on to. See, God wants us to recognize how much He's given us so that we will feel freedom in Him and we will find peace with Him. Because in the confidence of gratitude, we can then have confidence for the future that He will be with us no matter what comes. First Chronicles 29, therefore, says, what do we ask? Thank God for pretty much everything. But I would be remiss if I didn't point out that the ultimate thing we thank God for is the blessing of the gospel. I've chosen Romans 7, where the Apostle Paul talks about as a believer, in my opinion, he struggles with as a believer, continuing to fail to live up to God's standard. And yet he says, I, I see this other work in me, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. I still struggle with my sin. What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? Verse 25, thanks be to God because he delivers me through Jesus Christ our Lord. My ultimate gratitude is what he's done for me in the gospel, that he has looked past my sin placed it on his son and given me the freedom of forgiveness. What do we thank him for? Well, pretty much everything. But especially the offer of life in Christ. Why? What comes of it all? This is a passage you all know, Philippians 4, 4. Rejoice in the Lord always, except for when you don't feel good. Rejoice in the Lord always, except for when people disappoint you. Rejoice in the Lord always, except for when things don't turn out the way you think they should. That's not what he says. Rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. Why can you be gentle? Because you're blessed. The Lord is near. Don't be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving. With thanksgiving, present your request to God, and what happens? The peace of God. Peace of God that is beyond all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Men and women, we are a people that has lost our peace. We are striving and struggling and fighting. We, we are constantly at war in ourselves and with each other because we've lost the ability to just say, Thanks, Lord. So that our eyes no longer see all the blessings. They only see what we don't like. And even in the heartache, even in the crushing heartache of dealing with the fallenness of this world, whether through death or disease or destroyed relationships, even in that, we can find peace by seeing God's hand in it all. 
theological word book of the Bible says, Thanksgiving is not meant to be merely words, but the very mainspring of Christian living, the right motive of all service. Christian obedience is not a method of earning our salvation. It is instead the expression of gratitude to God, our one true motive of Christian living. Be thankful. If God were to walk up to you today, what would your first words be? Would there be a thank you in there? When, when you fall to your knees in prayer, what is your heart's first response? Is there room for thank you? When you see in your heart's I, Jesus hanging from the cross. Are you grateful? When you peer into the face of a child and see that unvarnished love, are you thankful? When you sit and start to eat a meal with no concern whether there will be another one. Can you be thankful? When someone loves you, even though they know you, does that make you thankful? When we look at death, a reality that we will all face. Can you be thankful? With, for those of us who know Jesus, for those of us who have experienced not only his forgiveness, but the new life and the promise of eternal life, gratitude should color all that we do. Please pray with me. Lord, we confess that we are ingrates. We are much better at making lists of what you haven't done rather than what you have. And Lord, there is true hurt, and we forget just how much you love us through the hurt, how much you forgive us in our brokenness, and how much you promise to be with us no matter what the valley is. Lord, I pray that we would be a people who readily expressed all that you've done, readily celebrated all the ways you love us, and therefore live with an optimism that is shaped in the reality of serving a gracious God. In the name of Christ, amen.